From Relay FM, this is Upgrade, episode number 95. Today's show is brought to you by the lovely folk over at MailRoute, FreshBooks, and Ministry of Supply. My name is Mike Hurley, and I'm joined by Mr. Jason Snell. Hi, Mike. How are you feeling? Pretty good, my man. I'm, I uh, clearly am still holding over some of this conference flu, uh, but I'm, I'm getting better. I'm getting better. All right. That's good. That's good. I, I didn't get that uh, this year, but that I think that's home field advantage that I, uh, being being from here, perhaps I'm I'm in. The, these are my germs that I'm in, so I'm I, I'm doing good now. You guys all have my germs. Well, also you don't you don't spend as much time in and around the conference stuff as everybody else does. I come home. I have to come home every night. I'm not going to rent a giant expensive hotel room in San Francisco. So I come home every night. So yeah, I'm not, I'm not out super late and I'm sleeping in my own bed and eating my own breakfast cereal and all those things. So I, my, and then my, you don't sit in a metal tube for 10 hours and I don't sit in a metal tube. And yes. And of course I also just walk around in a, in a hazmat suit. <laughs> That's the other thing. <laughs> the yeah, week. If you've ever seen in June, a guy in a, in a hazmat suit in San Francisco, it's, it's, that it's is totally actually me. Jason. It's, it's really totally weird. Me. We all judge him for it, but he does it anyway. And I don't get sick. This is probably a good it's a good move. It's crazy like a fox. That's right. Let me tell you something else. It's crazy. Uh huh. Apple using the line. There are a number of great third party options available for Mac users in reference uh-huh. to them discontinuing the Thunderbolt display last week. Yeah. Uh, it kind of came out of nowhere. It seemed like they just put out a press release to a, a few publications. Yeah, gave uh, a statement to a few a, people. A statement. Look at that. Mm. Very very fancy. Yeah. Uh, now, the conspiracy theory among us, uh, me, uh, mm-hmm. would say that what we have here is Apple has discontinued the Thunderbolt display as they intended to because they had a new display ready, <laughs> yes. but are not ready to announce said display yet. And I've seen a couple of reports that, that in, I think I saw John Pakowski um, say in a tweet, not even a story, just in a tweet, like, there is a new Apple display, it does have a GPU and you know it will come at some point and yeah. that is the rumor is that they have a fancy retina external display ready to go but um they don't know. have the products to go with it that that that's what i think perhaps is that, that it was ready but they just didn't want to keep making this old one or or the design of that one is 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 done but they haven't made them yet i mean there's pr- all sorts of production issues especially if they're trying to orchestrate something where there are new macs and this new display and they all go together um but at some point you've got to stop making this old display i i sort of feel like at some point they need to stop making the old the old uh, mac pros too right that that at some point why would we make any more of these how many can they be selling of a non retina you know, external display that's got the old, um, it's got the old MagSafe on it, so you have to use an adapter. I mean, it's unchanged since it was released five years ago. Um, so, so, but yeah, they they make this statement about third party options because right now they don't have a replacement for it. I, I don't know. I mean, of course there are third party options. I, I, I bought third party displays. Do, do, are there people out there who only ever buy Apple branded displays? Definitely. I don't know. Yes, there are definitely. I guess um, there are lots. I think a of, lot of them write Apple focused websites. <laughs> there are lots of good monitor options that are not. I look. I used a Thunderbolt display at MacWorld for uh-huh. several years, and I liked it a lot. Stephen um, has one. Uh, and when I when yeah, well yeah his is dented now yeah he, he dropped, dropped it, it off of bed but, um, the uh, but when I set up my home office here before I got the iMac I had a I had a MacBook Air and I, do- I docked it and I had a an external monitor on an arm and I bought a Dell external monitor so it's like a way better deal 
than the, Thunderbol- the, the Thunderbolt display because Thunderbolt display was really expensive. And even though I was replicating my setup from my office in my home, I, there was no way I was going to buy a Thunderbolt display. Yeah, when uh, I had that short-lived Mac Pro, I bought one of the Dell 20-something, maybe it was 23, I think, inch monitors. And I was really happy with that. Um, there was no way that I was going to fork out the money for one of these things. It just doesn't make sense to me. Yeah. Um, it was, what's a grand? It was like, you know, that's a lot of money for a display, man. Yeah. Lot, I mean, it's, it, it was what I loved about it using my laptop was you plugged in power and Thunderbolt and that was it. Everything else was, so you could have Ethernet plugged into the display, you could have USB devices plugged into the sp- display, you could have thun- thunder- or Thunderbolt, maybe not, FireWire devices plugged into the display, all of these external, so it was a docking station, all of those external devices plugged in, and then you bring in your laptop and you go, you know, clip with the MagSafe, then later clip with the MagSafe adapter, <laughs> and then, boop, plug in Thunderbolt, set your laptop down, that's it. You're you're docked. You've got the Ethernet lined up. You know, whereas before I would plug in multiple things. I'd plug in like four or five different things. Audio the same way. Like I had some speakers, but they were plugged into the the, the Thunderbolt instead of to the uh, the Mac. You could it just was, get like what you have though, like a Thunderbolt dock to do this for you. Though, you right? you you absolutely could. And um and even my Dell display has it's got a bunch of USB ports. It's only USB, but it's got a bunch of USB ports and stuff. And and that that was fine. That worked fine. Um, I, it, it's good. I hope Apple makes an external display because there is a market for it. I mean, I think I said, um, on Twitter when people were asking about this a few weeks ago, it seems unlikely to me because why the question, one of the questions is why would Apple even need to make an, its own display? Uh, if you go back in time, Apple used to make printers <laughs> and you know what they did at some point they said, yeah, we're not going to do that anymore. And then at the end they were taking other people's printers and relabeling them and calling them Apple printers, but they, they got out of that business. Apple doesn't have to be in every third party accessory business, right? It doesn't have to be. So why are they in this one? And the answer is if you look at the price of that Thunderbolt display, if you're thinking this is a high end display, that's going to sell to all of their Mac pro and many of their uh, MacBook pro customers, um, the margins on it have to be spectacular. Yeah. And they've probably done the majority of the work already in making the iMac. Right? In making I the assume IMAC. that's where the technology will come from to produce a 5K, 4K display, something like that. Some you know, Whether it's a 4K or a 5K, but yeah, a big external uh, retina display using, you know, fancy new technology and maybe a, an embedded, you know, a G- GPU in order to get it all to work right. But but yeah, I mean, in the end, I've got to think that the reason Apple would do that is not is the margins. The fact that you can sell not just instead of instead of saying, well, we're going to sell other people's monitors. It's like no, when you want when you go to the Apple store and you want to buy a Mac a new Mac Pro, it's like we've also got your fancy retina monitor to buy with it. All right, let's bundle it in. Not everybody will do that, but a lot of people will do that. It's the, you know, from the same uh from the same manufacturer. It's 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 this it's a package deal. Uh the stuff that they include at the Apple store is always gonna sell better than stuff that you have to go find on your own. And if they build it in with high margins, which they absolutely will, and it'll be a very prop profitable product for them. And I think that's why you keep it around is it's a good experience. I'm sure it will be a very high quality display and it will make them a lot of money and it will increase the, uh, the average, uh, revenue per sale for every Mac that is compatible with it because people will buy it. So I think it's a no brainer. I think it will absolutely happen. Um, 
unlike printers, where wh- why would anybody want to, frankly, be want to be in the printer business? But uh, but uh, this one, I think, is a business Apple wants to stay in. So if you want to, you can still go to the Apple Store. You can still buy one for the not yeah. discounted price of nine hundred ninety nine dollars. Amazing. Once they're gone, they're gone. Those will be great um, sale. When, once everybody throws them overboard, if you're somebody who doesn't care about Retina, the, those will be available for cheap, and they they might actually be really great at that uh, at a cheaper price. But yeah, might be a great great for a third of the price or whatever. Yeah. I can't envision ever buying a non Retina anything ever again. So, yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's a funny. It's just a funny old. I just love. I just love the line. I just love the line. There are a number of great third party options available for Mac users. <laughs> it's just so. What are they? What are they going to say? Right. It, I know. Like, but they yeah. didn't really have to say anything, right? Just we're stopping making it. Like, while supplies yeah. last. It's just funny. I don't know. There's just something just, funny. Just about a reminder: it to me. we're not the only. We're, this isn't the only monitor in the world. But like, you can't buy any other monitor from them directly. Right. Yeah. Well, yeah. Isn't that interesting? Like, I feel like at least now, just stock something, right? Like that's sharp display or something like that. You know? There are a lot of good, uh, a lot of good displays out there. There really, there really are. I recommend the Dell ones. I've used them and yeah. I like them a lot. They're really nice. I, uh, yeah, I like the Dell display a lot. Although I, um, I did have to like cover up the Dell logo with a piece of tape. Really? Did you do that? Oh, Jason. I, I did it for I did it for a little while and then I uh, the tape was worse than the Dell logo, so then I, yeah. I took it off. <laughs> At least put a sticker on the thing, you know? Come on, that's true. That's true. You gotta, you, gotta get a st- you gotta get a sticker that's the right shape for that. Anyway, yeah. Dude, you're getting a Dell monitor to go with your Mac. Something like that. That was follow-up, huh? That was follow-up. This week's episode is brought to you by Ministry of Supply. Unfortunately, we do all sweat, and typically this is at times when it's inconvenient for us. If we're at the gym, our gym clothes are made to handle it, but our work clothes tend not to be. And I remember, I remember Jason in the summer months, standing on the tube in the morning, going to work, and arriving at work and needing a shower. Like, just the worst, because we used mm. to wear suits to work. There's no way around it. We had to wear suits. And so I would go every morning. If I was smart enough, I would leave my suit jacket on the back of the chair, but most of the time I'd be going to a meeting or something somewhere else, so I'd need to have it, and there was just no way around it, and I would arrive at work a mess. and Restricting, stiff, sweaty, not good. This is not the way that you want to arrive to work in the morning, and this is where Ministry of Supply can help you. They combine performance technology with tailored design to make men's workwear that's actually comfortable and capable. And this result is in dress shirts and slacks that wick sweat, breathe, and stretch as you move. And I was talking about suits. They make a suit called the Aviator 2. Super stretchy, super breathable, and people have actually run marathons in this suit. Uh, Ministry of Supplies co-founder set a Guinness World Record for the fastest half marathon run in a suit, and he was wearing the (laughs) Aviator 2. They put their money where their mouth is. That is not an award. That is not a record. Of course it is. Oh, maybe it is. Okay. It's a Guinness World Record. It was how, how, how many how, do they do suit mara- suit half marathons? Is that a no? He just did it. I mean, Guinness will do anything, right? So if you say oh, to okay. them, "I want to set a record for X," there may have been somebody else who'd done it before. But the Guinness World Record book—have you ever seen this? It's huge, yes. and there's a bunch uh, yeah. of craziness in there. I used to but have one when I was a kid. Ministry of Supplies co-founder set a world record for doing it, but irrespective okay. of his speed, right. he still ran a half marathon in a suit. In a suit. 
Amazing. That's what Ministry of Supply can help you do. Go to ministryofsupply.com slash upgrade. You'll get 15% off your first Ministry of Supply purchase by using the code upgrade at checkout. Or if you live in Boston, San Francisco, and coming soon, Washington, D.C., you will have access to a Ministry of Supply store. If you go into one of their stores, mention this show, you will also get 15% off. Thank you so much to Ministry of Supply for their support of this show and Relay FM. We should uh, we should run a marathon or something. Like yeah, you know, like sure. we do, like we get one suit, uh, two suits. We tie like get them stitched together in like some kind of pantomime horse way. And me and you, you know, the upgrade first annual upgrade marathon. Yeah, for the fastest half marathon run by two people in two suits sewn together who record a podcast together. Yeah, and then the Guinness World Record can, uh, can we can get one? Maybe, maybe. All right, you wrote a great piece over at Six Colors. Um, yeah. in in the week past. Uh, about your time with uh, Mac OS Sierra, I believe you are in possession of a uh, extra MacBook which runs Sierra now. Y- yes, I I went down to Apple after the show, in fact, last week and yep. got a briefing about Mac OS Sierra and got a MacBook Pro. This is one of those things where it was like, just in case they announce something, <laughs> we'll be ready. Yeah, <laughs> but we think we're okay. Yeah, and it was it was a, a Sierra briefing, and I got a MacBook Pro with Sierra pre-installed on it by Apple, which was nice because I could use that as a reference system instead of installing it on my own iMac, which yep. makes me feel better. Um, yep. It's nice to have that kind of somewhere else. Makes me feel better, too. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, so I, I – and they, they did a funny thing where they briefed a bunch of people, and then they had an, uh, an embargo time. Uh, and huh. this is this, – this, it's this weird thing where – uh, if you, there are still rules about the developer version and you're not supposed to write reviews of, of the betas and things like that. And people just don't pay attention to it. But, um, with this, there was some group of us who got the official briefing from Apple and official blessing to write about, you know, essentially write reviews and w- take screenshots and all of that publicly about the beta with Apple's blessing. And it, and the post date was like Wednesday morning. That was the embargo time. So I spent, you know, the rest of Monday driving around the Bay Area to various places. And then Tuesday I spent writing uh, my piece about Sierra, which everybody saw on Wednesday morning, 3,000 words of it or something like that. I was, I was, uh, Rene Ritchie wrote more words than I did. Um, although his story was, I do measure, I do, I do like, like how many words did they write? Not because it's like who wins if they have the most words, but more like, you know, how many words did everybody have in them? Did they think that this was, that this was worth? And it runs, a, it runs a gamut from like, uh, you know, what Jim Dalrymple writes and what I write and what Renee writes. And Renee, Renee had like 5,000 words that blew me away, but he was, uh, I more does things a little bit differently. They, uh, he had like lots of stuff. It was like building on a story from the previous week and all that. But yeah. I do pay attention to that because I'm kind of curious because I write it essentially in isolation. And then it's like, what did everybody else do? And it's uh, it's like uh, it's like a little experiment. It's like we gave the same information to six different people. And what did they all do? I read for yours this morning. It's the only one that I read naturally. Well, it's um, all you need to read, Mike. It's all I need. Exactly. That's <laughs> why so I said naturally. Like, what more yeah. would I need? I've got Jason Snell's coverage. And I have a bunch of questions and observations based right. on what you've written. And I would like to go through some of these with you. Uh, and I've broken it down into the, the way that, that your little piece was written. So I want to start with storage optimizations. Um, okay. 
and I wonder kind of how you feel in general about this because you know you wrote some some good stuff in there you know some of the things that are uncomfortable some of the things you like and I know that I've recently been caught out with the uh, photo storage optimization on my iOS devices yeah so I was on a plane back from San Francisco and I look at a picture and it was blurry and then also um, last week I uh, met my grandma for lunch and I was showing her photos of like RelayCon and stuff, and none of them were downloaded to my iPad, and I didn't have the cellular plan enabled, and there was no Wi-Fi. So these are photos that have been taken like within the last week, but for some reason they were not the ones that were downloaded to my device. I have the optimized storage thing turned on, which I didn't know that I did, by the way. Um, I don't know how that got turned on, but it was on. And I don't know how comfortable I am for this to happen with the files on my computer. Like, the photos that I'm trying to show someone can be blurry, but you can't get, like, a blurry audio file. It's, like, either there or not there. Um, And Like, the thumbnails of a photo are somewhat useful. Like, I can show them to my nan and she can still see them. They just don't look as good as they should, but she doesn't really notice. Um but I can't like take a one-hour audio file that I wanted to do some work on that we recorded a month ago, but it was uh, something in the can, and then I go to open it on the plane, and it's not there. It's that, not that's there. A yeah. ho- that's a whole different thing for me. Yeah, it's... Um, and there are ways around it if you are thinking of it. Like, if you're thinking of it, you can say, I'm going to put... I'm going to make, make sure this is downloaded, or I'm going to put this in a place that doesn't do that because one of the things that's interesting about the storage optimization is it's tied in with this idea that it's syncing iCloud from your desktop your documents folder and the iCloud drive folder um if you if the if your document in in Sierra is not in one of those places nothing of this applies it doesn't go to iCloud it doesn't get selectively removed it's only the stuff that's being synced to iCloud that can be selectively removed because it knows that it's in iCloud and you right. can't turn it on for your whole system. So okay. there's some, because somebody was telling me like, oh, well, just change your workflow and don't put files on the desktop anymore. I'm like, but I, that's my workflow is, yeah, it's like, I don't want to change do my that, workflow. Right. Like, that makes sense. All right. You can, you can do that but it doesn't work for me. Also, you have to know, right? You have yeah. to know. And the thing I was thinking was, I was in Yosemite for the the, the uh, Yosemite conference this year and, and last year, and a great conference. Um, if they do it again, I recommend that people go. It, it was really great. Yeah, I've had that one on my list. Uh, it, it looks good. It's, be- it's beautiful. Um, but uh, so I was there and I was doing a presentation and, you know, I hadn't finished the presentation by the time I got there. There was an Apple event. It, there was a lot of stuff going on. It was a very busy week. Uh, so I had to I had finished building the pro- presentation while I was there. And presentations have images and stuff in them. And I had that moment where I realized, like, the internet connection in, in Yosemite is really bad. It's very slow. And there were computer nerds there, so it was even slower because we were using it all. And I had that same moment of like all of these files that I know I have, but they're not here. And that was not not because of iCloud Drive, but it was that feeling of like, oh, I didn't think about the fact that there's this particular file in Dropbox that I need that I that is in a folder that I didn't sync to this laptop. And uh-huh. that 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 is what I was thinking of when I saw this feature is what if that image or that document that you need when you're in a low connectivity area 
just got optimized without you knowing it. And you yeah. didn't even think about that you would need it. It, yep. it was an image from eight months ago, but you knew you stored it away and that you, it was there if you needed it at some point in the future. And eight months later, you need it and you're not connected to the internet. And th- that's what, that's the problem with the scenario. And and I I like so many things about this feature in terms of making it be almost like you've got not quite unlimited storage, but that, that a lot of the storage issues you have are... Uh, taken care of by iCloud, but I'm not sure it's realistic for Apple to think that um, this makes sense in a world where one between two thirds and three quarters of all the Macs are laptops, and two, this is a place where not you know not everybody has fast internet everywhere they go. I'm sure that a lot of the people who build tools at Apple and work at Apple every day are always connected with high speed internet. And we but we've seen this in the past that sometimes I think Apple builds features not understanding the conditions that other people have uh, in terms of their network. Yeah. Um, and this feel, feels like that. This this feels like a great feature for a desktop computer on an always on. Uh, non probably non-metered internet connection. This seems like a great feature on a laptop that's taken on airplanes, many of which don't have in-flight Wi-Fi anyway. Um, this doesn't seem like a great feature because there are th- because again, it might not bite me. I'm I'm not saying it would bite me common you know commonly all frequently, but but the fact that it might bite me would be enough for me to not turn it on. <laughs> Just because I would have no confidence, if I could have no confidence that the files that I want are with me, um, you know, again, unless I very specifically in advance know exactly what files I want, which I think is not a great scenario. So, so you know, again, I think it's a cool feature, but I'm dubious about how frequently people will want to use it because I, I think there's a lot of pain that will come out of it if people kind of unwittingly turn it on and don't quite realize what they're signing up for. And then they go on vacation with their laptop and find that the file that they're counting on to do some, you know, to write their novel while they're in a cabin in the woods and the novel file is gone. Because the funny thing is, the I feel feel like the easy argument for uh, for this is, oh, you know, people don't use their computers the way that me and you use our computers, right? Like accessing a massive audio file three months sure. later, right? But the thing is, me and you have both got caught out by photo optimization, so it's yeah. it's kind of the, the like the same thing is like we're not going to use this feature because we don't we don't want to do this we want to run our computers slightly differently but we also probably both didn't know that we're on storage optimization i i um yeah i mean uh, leaving our particular sure our particular uh uh, ways of using files are, are probably outside the norm but like i have spreadsheets that i look at once every three months and yeah, of course, of course. if if I am somewhere where I need to call that spreadsheet up and it's just not there and I don't have an internet connection, that's bad, right? That's bad. So so I you know it's just one of those things that that it's a you know I I I think it's a a clever feature. Um, I I do wonder a little bit. Apple is putting a lot of stock in the fact that they are 
are intelligently managing storage, that it's the it's files that you're not using frequently that are old, that it's offloading. And I get that. And yet, I don't know, I, I'm 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 not convinced that this is going to be something that makes people happy. Um, and that it isn't going to just cause more problems where people no longer have this confidence that if they're not on the internet, they don't have access to all of their stuff when they, when they need it. And there's no interface, right? There's no, you can, the only interface here is that you can download something from iCloud drive. That's not downloaded. You can force a download by clicking. You can, you can get it to download it, but there's no like never, never delete this file interface so far as I can tell. They, they, you, or, or never delete anything in this folder. I don't. That's not how it it seems to work, at least in beta one. Yeah. So we'll see. I mean, there is a real benefit to this that I understand, but I would like to be able to have more choice. I have heard that Dropbox Infinite will be like that, so you'll be able to choose. Sure. Yeah. What you want in and out, which I really like the idea of that. That's the feature that I want. But that's the power user feature, and Apple are building the feature for everyone. Yeah, absolutely, and and, and they should. They should. Yeah, they this is, just, this should. is the challenge is, is you're building a fe- feature that just works, that has no interface beyond saying, yes, I want to use this, and that's all yep. great. I just, when I walk through that, the scenarios, I see a lot of scenarios where people end up really angry at Apple for losing, not you know, not permanently, but like for making their files unavailable when they need them, and there's some place where they don't have yep. an internet connection. Connection. And that that's not you don't want to be you don't want to be caught out like that. Um, and that that makes people f- not trust their computer anymore and not trust Apple. And it, and it, yeah, so we'll see. I mean, maybe I'm uh, maybe it will be spectacular and it will never be a problem for anyone. But I'm a little concerned that this is that, that uh, this is more of a problem than that. We'll see. Uh, as well as this, the storage optimizations do come with some features that I can't wait to have like storage management controls. So you can choose things as a red, like you can have uh, iTunes automatically delete movies. You can have your trash automatically emptied. Like stuff like that yeah. is really great. The movies movies and TV shows you've already watched. Yeah. And, and, and I've had that where I'm like, why do I have 10 gigabytes yep. in the in the iTunes? Oh, it's that movie that I downloaded and watched and then it sat there for another six months. Yeah. Downloads, if you download the same disk image because you're like, oh, I need to reinstall that. And it turns out you already did that download and it's the same file or it's the older version of the same file. It actually will. Amazing. There are cases where this could stomp things out, but you know it'll download the new one, and it'll it basically replaces the old download of the same name that's the same file. Man, I need to protect um, that Skype disk image that I have. Have like Skype yes. six. That thing, man, that saved me. <laughs> you should put it somewhere special. Um, yeah, they, they, they're doing a bunch of stuff like that. That is, they're reducing, uh, Sierra reduces the number uh, of logs that get generated or it cleans up the logs in a better way, which is, again, I think an example where Apple, when, you know, people at Apple had huge hard drives, they didn't really worry about it. But now that everybody's got SSDs, they're like, oh, yeah, those logs are really inefficient. We should do something about yeah. that. There's a lot of that going on where they're trying to, uh, like, set, set your mail settings the apple mail settings to leave some or all of the attachments on the imap server for you because those attachments take up a lot of disk space and if the you know it's a different way of doing it than iCloud. It's using IMAP, but it's the same principle, which is, do you need this on your drive if it's accessible on a server for you to get later? And and you have two options with mail. You can actually say, all leave them all up there or just leave the old ones up there. 
and delete them locally. But, you know, all of the things that they're doing in a, on a bunch of different fronts on stage, they made it seem like, oh, well, this is one feature. It is one feature, but it's a lot of different techniques to try and either delete stuff that you don't need um, or that's duplicating uh, something else that's already on the drive or uh, finding things that are in the cloud and saying it's in the cloud. That's fine. We don't need it on this Mac anymore. One thing that I'm also really excited about is the reduce clutter feature where the the system can help you remove files that you don't need. Uh, it's a bit of a Sherlocking. You know, there are a bunch of apps that do this, like Clean My Mac and Daisy Disk and stuff like that. But uh, I am pleased that this is being built into the system. And as usual with some of these things, that might help those other applications because you feel you want more control and then you go to a third party. Exactly. Edit. But um, I'm pleased that they're building this in. It will do things like uh, iOS uh, backup disk images, which actually can be enormous. And a lot of times you don't even back up your iOS device anymore. You did it once or, or you moved it to iCloud. Um, they, it'll delete those. If you, or it'll let you choose to delete. It sort of shows you, look how much space these are taking up and you can delete them right from there. Disk images uh, get floated to the top of like software you installed a long time ago and now they're just sort of sitting there. And then there are other large files that they'll, that they'll point out are there too. GarageBand, I think they actually link to GarageBand directly so that you can remove like instruments and loops and stuff like that because those are huge too. And they've really just tried to kind of catalog the biggest culprits in terms of eating disk space with stuff that you probably don't need. Right, okay. So yeah, I'm excited about that. That's going to be uh, that is going to be a good feature. Everybody's going to have SSDs eventually. You know, yep. the, even the fusion drives will eventually go away. And the SSDs, although they are getting bigger and cheaper, because that's the way of the world, you know, it, it's a step back that makes it painful for people. So this will make it, you know, this will make it easier. I think in the long run, it, it's not storage isn't going to matter. In the long run, you'll be able to mirror. The, the, you know, SSDs will be so cheap that it won't matter. But it's going to be a while. And so this is a feature for the interim. All right, let's move on to Siri. No uh, Ahoy telephone or Ahoy computer call can be made. You, you would, you're kind of... <laughs> Hello, computer. Hello, computer. Uh, no no Ahoy, Ahoy uh, Macintosh. There's none of that in there, which is interesting. No. I don't know why they didn't put that in there. That seems weird to me. <sighs> I asked them about it, and their answer was strange. The answer was like... We don't think that the Mac is in contexts where you're across the room and need to shout at it. That we think the Mac generally you're engaged in it actively, and so ke- and, and so a keystroke is a better uh, uh, or, or a click on an icon is a better interaction. Um, which I can see the argument, but I suspect that there's some other story behind this too, right? That that they, for whatever reason, didn't want the Mac monitoring uh, your audio all the time, uh, looking for it. They were. I, I wonder if there's a technical reason why. And this is because it strikes me that like, I get the philosophical reason, but I'm not entirely sure the philosophical reason is the real reason why. But I, I get it. They're they're saying, look, you know, the the Siri experience on the Mac is active. You're using your Mac, and then you're telling it to to do things or asking it questions, and that's why it works the way it does. Also, I think, actually, it might this might be part of it too. There's this uh, advanced dictation feature, which actually lets you kick off like scripts and stuff, which has been there for years, which is pretty awesome actually. And there there are a whole bunch of new interactions that the, that Apple is releasing that let you do some kind of amazing voice control of apps, but it uses a different path than Siri with a different set of triggers. And I think that one has 
and, and it's related to um, to accessibility. And I think that one has voice triggers. So I wonder if there's actually a collision happening here where they kind of can't do one without integrating the other and they don't want to or they didn't have time to or something like that. I don't yeah. know. So it, it may be something like that where because people don't a lot of people don't know this. But in addition to regular dictation, there's this advanced dictation that is a whole other path. It downloads a bunch of data and it also lets you control your Mac via voice and do a bunch of stuff um, and run scripts and, and, and things like that. And that's been there for more than a decade. That, that's been there for ages and it's still there. So uh, there may be interaction problems there, too. But anyway, their, their story is that they feel like this is a feature that is used by people who are actively using their Mac. And so there's no Ahoy computer. Do you ever think you're going to use these Siri features like seriously? Uh, hmm. Yeah, I, I, I suspect I will use it some, um, just like I use it on my, on my iPhone. I don't use Siri heavily anywhere right now, yep. but, um, there are those moments where I think again, like I will, I will have that moment of like, are the giants playing today? <laughs> you know, I do that a lot. Are they playing today? What's the score now? All I do that. Or, or what's the weather forecast? Right. And some of that stuff's in notification center and I can get it there. But for like giant stuff, I end up launching a web browser and going to a page and seeing what the schedule is. And for stuff like that, I'm like, Oh yeah, I can just use Siri for that. Now that'll be easier. I, I can see, I can see some of that. Um, I'm not sure I'm going to use it to do searches, especially since those same searches can be done on the computer by typing <laughs> and probably with more features than can be done with Siri on the Mac. So I don't know. I I, I, uh, I, I think it will be somewhat useful, but I'm, I'm, I'm withholding judgment about whether I want to use it for a little while and see if it's something that sticks with me. My, my gut feeling is that I won't use it a lot. Um, let's talk about photos. You are the king yeah. of photos, after all. You wrote the book on photos. Uh, what has your experience been so far with image recognition from faces and horses and mountains, that kind of thing? Do you feel like it's doing a good job, a different job, or whatever? Like, how how do you feel about this? Um, it's early. It's a beta. Um. I think the the image recognition stuff is really cool. Uh, it seems to work. One of the challenges is setting this up on a new Mac. My photo library is huge, and it's an iCloud. And so I've set it to you know optimize storage because, quite frankly, my photo library won't fit on this Mac's hard drive. So it, it's got to optimize storage. And there's this question of like, okay, is it going to still analyze these photos even with optimized storage turned on? And it seems to have analyzed the last couple of years worth, um, but not a lot more than that, which I'm not quite sure why that's happening. And is it going to, if I leave it open on my on my desk for a couple of days, will it optimize, will it load the f thumbnails and start analyzing all the pictures in my library or not? Um, it does find uh, mountains and cats and dogs and lakes and things like that and rainbows, um, but not unicorns because the unicorns aren't real. Hmm. Uh and what it's to Google. Let me see. <laughs> Google show you pictures of products that haven't been released yet. Um, 
the so it does it does work, but I'm withholding judgment again because I don't know if it's really indexing everything. I mean, and it's a beta. Uh, it's encouraging the facial recognition stuff. Um, again, it's a beta. I think it's not all there yet. I hope it's not all there yet because <laughs> it does a much worse job of recognizing faces at this point than the old faces engine. Um, in that I I it recognized like forty photos of faces, and then everything else is sort of like. One face, one face, one face, one face. Like it, it isn't rolling things together, and I'm not quite sure what's going on there. I'm gonna again. It's a beta. It's early. Um, I'm gonna give it the benefit of the doubt from now. Uh, for now, but what I can't say is, oh yeah, it's already better because I don't think that's the case. I um, I, I I think there's more work to be done. I suspect it has to do with the analysis and how often it's doing the analysis and how it's pulling data down from the iCloud and all of that. So we'll we'll see. It's just I think it's too early yet. I'm encouraged. Uh, and it's but it's too early. Uh, Google didn't turn any results for unicorns. Uh, see, maybe it will for some people, but maybe I just don't have any pictures of unicorns. Maybe yeah. that's the problem. Maybe. Um, have you played around with the memories features at all? Like, did A you see bit. anything here that kind of made you smile? Because Google does this, right? So yeah. they have their assistant stuff. They create albums. They create yep. gifts, and they usually surface something that I find kind of fun. It makes me, you know, just puts a smile on my face. Have you seen any of the movies or slideshows? Have any of it kind of elicited that kind of response from you? Sure. Um, there are no movies on the Mac. That's only on iOS, uh, but there are memories, and they, I, I like the idea because it's like Time Hop or one of those services, right? Yep. Where it's like this is this is something that you did a year ago. It's such a simple and easy thing to do, yeah. right? Like just you have all of the data. Just show me stuff that's dated one year ago. Well, in fact, I would say I uh, last week when I set this up, one of the memories that it gave me was, and this is in my review, was you you took the kids to the beach four years ago this week. And there were a bunch of pictures and a video and, you know, of, of this trip we took to the beach. And uh, that was that was a lot of fun. And it's like, and here's what you did three years ago. And here's some photos from, from last month. And, and it kind of collected a bunch of things together in these different memories. And I thought that was good because we talked about this on Clockwise a little bit last week that, uh, you know, we have so many images and videos in our libraries now, and it very rarely do you go, I'm just, you know, I'm just going to paw through my library and see what happened in the past. We really need the the software to surface stuff and say, you might want to look at this because otherwise this stuff's never going to get looked at again. We take all these images, we generate all this data, and then we don't do anything with it. So um, it worked with me. I really enjoyed those beach photos enough that it was looking like a very warm weather week here last week. And so uh, that was one of the, um, that that that. Meant Memory was actually a spur for me to suggest to my family that we go back to that beach again, which we did on Saturday. So uh, that was actually kind of a fun example of memories in action. I'm like, oh yeah, we had a good time at that beach. We should go back there, and so we did. So yeah, I, I think that I think memories is it, clever. It doesn't do all the things that that Google Photos does, like uh, creating animations and things like that sure, out of sure. out of different stacks of photos. Um, although those are of widely varying quality, but uh, Apple's yep. got live photos going for it, so it, it can do some other things there. We'll see. I, I would like it. I would. I would really like to see it. Kind of do some of that kind of stuff you know the, the videos that they showed on stage with the funny music and all that kind of stuff like i like that i don't know how much i'll use it but if it's created for me i'll yeah. at least watch some of them you know like i yeah. don't make those things but if they're made automatically i i quite like to watch them sure sure and and uh that that it will be interesting to watch on ios but not a not a mac feature alas 
Now that you've spent some time with Sierra, do you think that some of the continuity features, like um, the unlocking with the watch, which is kind of a false touch ID, right? Like, you know, it's the idea of unlocking it quickly without entering the password and the watch is what's providing the uh the, the kind of the touch id there if you'd call it that right and the inclusion of apple pay via touch id on another device do you think that these things are signaling touch id on the mac i look at it and say it's a foregone conclusion that they're putting it on there <laughs> uh i think it's possible i mean the watch is funny because the watch is is not really touch id at all right the watch is is you're entering a passcode but because the watch is strapped to your wrist and it can monitor whether you've ever taken it off your wrist the idea there is once you show one time that you know the passcode and the watch stays on your wrist you've provided continuity you are the person who entered that passcode three hours ago five hours ago and that's a that's a cool feature but it still comes down to your your apple watch passcode that's verifying your identity there um and then with uh with the so so and and that's how you unlock is with the watch it's not not even with the phone there apple pay yeah you you you're using apple pay basically you're doing a thumbprint on an iphone or you're doing a a, a double tap on the uh on the watch so that that's a little bit different i don't know i think they could totally put touch id in and you would see its value here um i'm not sure i say 100 percent sure that this actually means they're going to put touch id on max but uh they certainly could and they would have some features because that was always one of our questions right it's like well what are they really going to do with it and now it's like well very clearly that logging in and Apple Pay are two things that they could do right out of the box if they uh, if they built it in. So I don't know. I go I I go um, both ways on this. I, I have to say because it could just be a great feature that encourages you to. It's the benefits of having an Apple Watch. It's the benefits of having an iPhone. Um, or you know, or or you could go the other way, which is here it is. Um, your Mac can do it itself now with this fancy new reader that we put on it. Yeah, I think I think it's it calls it um one thing that i sure. liked uh, i picked this out from your review you said that, which i had no idea about this that web developers will be able to if they want to code their sites in such a way that the apple pay button only displays when an eligible touch id device is in proximity of a mac that's yep. awesome that's what that's what they said well the, i mean it's continuity right like just how continuity will pop up a little thing in the dock or something when you're nearby this is one of those ideas that um that you can code it whether anybody will do this i don't know but the idea that you can code it so um it's doing a call that basically safari is saying are there any devices and then it displays it if there are and it doesn't if there aren't Um, which would be one way for people who for you know if you're a my guess is that everybody's going to want to have an apple pay button there because they're going to want to impress people that they take apple pay um but uh, you could argue the other way, which is this eliminates kind of clutter, and it's like Apple, don't show Apple Pay unless people are actually capable of paying with it. Yeah, um, I want. There's also just a couple of little extra parts that I wanted to, to go through. Kind of, okay. you did like a, a little features at the end, um, and I want to see if you can clarify something. So, Apple are introducing a tabs-like view um, to the OS. And I wasn't completely sh- clear on this from the presentation. Is it just you get to have tabbed windows within a specific application or you can assign windows to tabs? And what I mean by this is, is like, will numbers give me tabs or will I be able to combine pages and numbers into one tab window? No, it's it's per app. 
And it's basically a, a, a cheap way, an easy way for any app that uses the, the, the standard window frameworks to, um, to support multi-tab, like in Safari or something like that. Mm-hmm. And I mean, literally, it's a setting. So um, some apps would have to be modified in order to support this, and some apps won't work with it at all, but have built their own multi-tab. You know, like Photoshop won't work with this, but it doesn't matter. They've got their own multi-tab approach. Um, but a lot of sort of standard apps, you turn this feature on and they just, they get it and they work like Safari. They will add new documents to tabs and you can drag them out and the whole, drag them around and the whole thing. And it's just, it's built into the framework now that, and then you can choose, you can choose full, uh, full screen only or everywhere or, or nowhere basically. Picture in picture is also coming to uh, the Mac for video and on the iPad, it's only you're only allowed to view these videos in the corners. I was happy to discover that um, you can, uh, if you call, I, I, I tried all the keyboard shortcuts to see about this. And yeah, if you hold down the command key while you drag the picture in picture video window around, you can put it anywhere. Very nice. Any, any old where you want, which I thought was a was great because I don't always want my video right up in the corner. I've got a giant uh, giant 5K iMac here. It's huge. I don't actually want things way up in the corner like that. Um, and no, you, you can put it anywhere with the, with the command key held down. And have you had any time to play around with notes collaboration? Uh, not really. I mean, for like five minutes. Uh, yeah. And it seems, and, and my... Uh, it seems to work. I mean, that's sort of my review is it does seem to work. You can invite people via iCloud and they can see your note and they can put things in the notes and you see them kind of appear. And right. uh, yeah, it seems to work. And it, across iOS and Mac. So it's not immediate, but it's in a kind of way like how it works currently. Like if I add something to a note on my iPhone and then open that note on my Mac and start typing things in, eventually like it just spits a bunch of text into there, which I actually quite like the way that it yeah. does that syncing. It just doesn't believe in conflicts. It just throws everything in. So I assume it's kind of the same. So I things think so. can move around and be pushed in. But it's not like you can't see me live typing in there like in Google Docs or something. I don't think it's quite that of a refresh, okay. but I think it's trying okay. to be it's trying to be as fast as it can. But it's right. not a you know, I can see every word, every letter as you're typing it, like it is in something like Google Docs. Um and there's one thing that I've seen people talking about now that you can change the default font size in notes, which is amazing news. Notes uh has really grown up. Uh notes has a lot of things going for it now that it didn't it doesn't have before. Um unf- I, I believe one of the great things about notes now is it has a preferences window for the first time. <laughs> Yay. What is in there? What is what's in there? That well, a bunch of stuff that used to be just be in a menu item right. is in the notes preferences window. But still, it's like when an app when an app grows up and becomes an, an an adult, it gets a preferences window. And so in the in the preferences window of notes, there is a sort notes by, new notes start with, default account, whether you want an on my Mac account or not and a default text size. And then also you can set the password for and reset the password for locked notes. Huh. That's, and, and I think those were largely settings that already existed. Except in, the default font size. Except the default font size. They existed, but they were like in the notes application menu just as items. Yeah. And somebody seems to have said, all right, we got too much junk in there. Let's just make a preferences window. So congratulations to notes. For finally, Mazel Tov notes, you are now 
It's like you're now. A it's man. like a bar mitzvah or something. Yeah. You are now a man. Yes. Congratulations, notes. Or woman. I actually don't know the gender of notes, but you are now an adult, a legal adult. You have a preferences box. So overall, what do you? How do you feel about Sierra? Oh, something I didn't ask you. How many times did you call it Mac OS Ten Sierra when you were writing this? Uh, none. I was super good about it, and then when I posted the review, yeah. I tweeted about it and immediately called it Mac OS Ten Sierra nice in the work. tweet. Nice work. Yep. The pressure was off then, and that was when it got me. Yeah. But how do you feel about it overall? Uh, you know, it's it's a it's a nice update. Um, I need to see the photos changes could actually be really spectacularly good. Um, but uh, I got to see them in action, and I'm not all the way there yet. I. Uh, remains to be seen. A lot of nice things, not uh, not a lot of huge overhauls, which I think is good. Um, inting, integrating iCloud Drive more is, I think, a good thing for Apple to do. Um, but like I said, I'm a little unsure about the um, about the optimized storage feature for your documents. But you know, it, it it may turn out to be good. But I think I think so many people do keep all their stuff in documents and. Uh, desktop and this does if you've got multiple Macs this is a really um, f- good way I mean you can use Dropbox and have all your files st- stored in Dropbox but if you put things that aren't in Dropbox they don't they don't sync at all this is like for for people who don't want to go down that path you know if you turn this on and you've got a couple different Macs they're just going to be in sync the stuff on the desktop is the stuff on the desktop everywhere that's pretty cool that's a, that's a nice base system level feature for Apple to do yes it does it does mean that they're going to be able to charge more people for iCloud Drive. I do wonder if they might change the iCloud Drive prices again in the fall um, since they're trying to get people to use this. And the iCloud Drive prices are okay. They're better than they used to be, but I do wonder if they if they might try to be a little more aggressive with pricing just to get people on board. Because if you, if you check that box and it says, you, you know, you don't have enough to use this feature, this nice new feature, because you have to pay us. I'm not sure that's you know how how many what percentage of users does apple want to throw that dialog box up to and 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 have and prompt them to immediately pay um is, is and you know is that an upsell for them or is that a bad ex- user experience and they want want you to get on this feature and then pay for more space down the mm-hmm. road when it you know your data expands and grows i don't know um but uh but yeah i think so so yeah i'm optimistic about this about this release i'm looking forward to using some of the features that i haven't gotten a chance to use yet like the watch unlock thing um and see how that see how that feels too i guess it's because you're not running os3 on the watch yet right right well my understanding is that beta one doesn't even have the watch unlock feature in it but um (laughs) i'm not running watch os3 on my uh on my watch anyway so i can't really test it regardless all right, this week's episode is also brought to you by FreshBooks, the company on a mission to help small business owners save time and avoid the stress that comes with running businesses. And FreshBooks has created a super intuitive tool that will help do this. It's all about pain-free invoicing. You want to create and send invoices simply and with FreshBooks you will have that power. It takes just 30 seconds to create and send an invoice. You can even add your company logo for that little extra professional touch. And FreshBooks will give you the ability to allow your clients to pay you in 
tons of different ways you can put on you can, you can very easily just put on the invoices you normally would like this is my bank account information this is where you can send checks you can do that but you can also take payments by card you can integrate services like paypal and so many more freshbooks is always making sure that they're keeping abreast of what's going on here so you will be able to get paid five days faster because that is on average what happens when you are a FreshBooks customer? You're able to keep track of your invoices. You know when they've been sent. You know when they've been received. You know when they've been opened. You even know when they've been printed. So you know where they are in your client's processing system. So sometimes I may go to send an email to someone and be like, hey, did you get this invoice? And I think, no, I should just check FreshBooks. So I log into FreshBooks to take a look and I see, oh, it was printed two days ago. That means it's going off to accounts payable. No more excuses, no more list invoices, no more of you having to sit and worry and wonder about where your invoice is with your client because with FreshBooks, you can keep track of it all. FreshBooks isn't just invoicing though. You can keep track of your expenses. If you're in the US, you can automatically import your bank transactions for easy reconciliation. They have time tracking stuff. They have so much more. Their support is fantastic. They have great reports so you can easily see who owes you what. They have tons of third-party integrations and just so much more. As a listener of this show, if you go to freshbooks.com slash upgrade, you can get a 30-day free trial with no credit card required. And when you do sign up for FreshBooks, because I know that you're going to love it, just like I do, enter the code upgrade in the how you heard about the section. FreshBooks will then know that you came to them from this show, and it will help the wheel of support keep on turning. Thank you so much to FreshBooks for their support of Upgrade and Relay FM. Jason Snow, it is time. It is time for me and you to discuss a topic that we have had banding around for months now, but I have been resisting because I know how it makes you feel, and I wanted to hold it back until the time was right. Uh, I feel like the time is now right. We are going to discuss the potential for Apple to remove the 35 millimeter headphone jack from the next iPhone. The reason we're going to talk about this now is prompted by more supply chain rumors and case manufacturers, etc., etc. Neil Patel of The Verge wrote a pretty good article, I think. It was a, a nice little listicle, which I thought was quite funny. It was a good way to do it. Um, in the reasons that he believes the removal of the headphone jack is a bad idea. Now, I'm going to take the Casey List role here, summarizer-in-chief, and go through some of the parts here and then okay. the subsequent articles, and then I will release you All right. to, to talk about how you feel. Yeah. So, Neelai Patel, he cited a lot of great reasons um, as to why removing the headphone jack is a bad idea, and some of my favorites were... DRM audio, so you know, now basically all of the music that you listen to, there'll be some kind of DRM check for it because that's what happens with digital. It's like this, you know, if you've ever seen what is it, HDCP error or something when you're trying to play back video, it's because there's some kind of digital video DRM check that came with the HDMI standard. This is a similar type of thing that could happen with uh, something like Lightning as as the way to pass digital audio. Uh, rather than using the analog kind of loophole that's in the 3.5 millimeter jack. Uh, we're going to have to see more dongles and adapters, because if you want, I'm, I can pretty much guarantee that if they move it over to the lightning port, there will be a lightning to 3.5 millimeter dongle, which will suck, because who wants to use stuff like that? Um, and one that I actually think is pretty important, but has been, uh, I think, misunderstood by some people who don't understand why this is a thing, making Android and iPhone headphones incompatible. Um, and I think I don't think Neil wrote this point very well, 
uh, because he didn't actually explain this one. And if I can infer from him, what he's saying is that if you want to buy a pair of headphones, you have to check what adapter it has now, yeah. which you've never had to do before. But now you like you oh, say, oh, I want to buy those headphones. You take them home and you realize that they're lightning, but you have an Android phone or vice versa, right? Like you buy them and it's like, oh, these have got that little connector that I know, but oh, no, wait, it's USB-C. You know, and so the wheel goes around and around. This is something we've never had to worry about before. Every device has Bluetooth. Every device has the 3.5 millimeter jack. You can use the headphones you just bought. That won't be the case anymore. After Neil, I posted this. John Gruber uh, kind of rebuts all of it. He has his own uh, opinions. He breaks down Neil's uh, piece, and there are a lot of things that he goes into, but I want to pick out a couple of things here from John's piece. Uh, he believes it's not about the thinness. This is something that people have said for a long time. The idea of Apple will remove this because it's the biggest port on the iPhone, blah, 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 blah. However, as John very rightly points out, the iPod Touch and the iPod Nano both are thinner than the current iPhone and still include the headphone jack. So thinness doesn't really seem to make sense as an argument here. But then John uh, kind of starts to go against some of what Neil is saying, saying, and, and he compares ditching of the headphone jack to like when Apple ditched the floppy drive on the iMac, which we spoke about with Stephen a couple of weeks ago. Um, and that, and saying that Apple has a history of this, they move first, you know, they're always adding, like they added USB, they removed floppy drive, they do these types of things, they cut stuff out and move on. Like, you know, the, we had these same arguments when they cut all the ports from the MacBook, and they just put USB-C on it. It's like, this is the way it goes, this is how Apple work, and John brings in an argument of, oh, we'd still have VGA on our devices. Uh, he also says that Apple don't care about port compatibility. They've never have. They just care about compatibility with their own devices. This is just what they do. Uh, that was a kind of, I think, effectively what Gruber is saying. He, his kind of argument is, I don't know why they're doing it. I don't know if it's going to be good or bad. I'm sure they have a reason. Who knows what that reason is going to be? Maybe it's fine, but this is just what Apple does. I want to throw one more thing in here, Jason, which is MFI mm-hmm. certification. Um, I've seen a couple of people mention this, but this is the idea. MFI is made for iPhone, by the way, in case you don't know that. A lot of people say MFI, but it means made for iPhone. It is Apple's certification of products that use the lightning connector. They need to have a chip in them, which Apple allows, and then they say, yes, rubber stamp, you can make this product. In the world where we have no headphone jack anymore, all wired headphones will need to be MFI certified because they will run through lightning, most likely. Well, unless all wired headphones that don't just use an adapter. Yeah. yeah. If, they're, if they're lightning headphones, they will exactly. need to be MFI certified. Sure. Yep. So if you want to, that's a good clarification. Thank you. So if you want to plug it directly in there without some kind of crazy or ugly adapter, you will need to be certified by Apple. This is going to cause delays in products being launched. This will actually make, I think, a lot of people stop wanting to make headphones, right? They just won't make them because why would you go through this? They'll just say, well, you need to get an adapter. This is on you. Uh but I'm sure this will be easy for Beats, right? Beats is part of Apple. They will have lightning headphones. And I'm sure this is another reason why Apple bought them because when they, I'm sure, made this decision, I think probably made this decision before they bought Beats. It's probably one of the reasons that they did it because they will be able to make this change whenever they do make this change and have products in the market immediately that are not just Apple's products. Because I don't think people, I don't think the general public who buy Beats products know that Apple owns them. 
I just don't think that that is a thing. Like it's because Apple have never done anything publicly, like outwardly, to to do this, right? They just featured them in product shots, but it's not like Beats by Apple, or you know, it does. They didn't change any of that. So I think this is maybe one of the reasons why Apple bought Beats is it gives them the ability when they do finally make this move to push into it. Um, Steve Strasser also wrote a really great piece that breaks down a lot of John Gruber's arguments as well that I just yep. saw you put into the document, Jason. Uh huh. Yeah, it's just a, it's another it's another good piece uh, about this where uh, he he so there's Neele and then there's Gruber's piece and then Steve Strasser wrote a really nice critique of Gruber's piece that Gruber linked to. Full credit to Gruber. Uh, he he definitely uh, you know wanted to cover the bases here and get some other views in so and there is an episode of the talk show where marco has uh come with an outline i have like just got to that part yeah so i haven't heard it yet nope so maybe we can do some follow-up on it based on there because i fully expect uh marco to have the opinion that you're probably about to have yep so i would be interested in hearing <laughs> the, the conversation that uh marco and john have but i unfortunately have not finished that part yet so i will not be able to uh to point that out. So, yeah. There must be a reason. Right? This is something that many people are holding on to, Jason. It's like there must be a reason. Apple has a reason. They have always had reasons. So, so first first thing, I want to I want to point to a, a piece that Michael Gartenberg wrote on iMore this morning that is hilarious because it's just we don't know jack about the next iPhone. And this is a point that I think I made when we when we touched on this subject a few months ago, which is it's a rumor. It's not real, and I'm unclear how much, um, how much energy I want to put into arguing about a rumor, arguing about, and ultimately Gruber, I disagree with a lot of the arguments Gruber made. Um, I'm I and I agreed with a lot of the arguments that Neil A made and that Steve Strasser made. Um, what I would say is Gruber makes one very good point, which is we don't actually know any of the details there's just a rumor that there's no headphone jack that's it we don't know apple's reasons why we don't know any benefits that apple might cite so we're kind of we all have to project our own feelings we have to we bring our own biases we imagine the scenario because the scenario doesn't exist yet and that is a challenge because we can't hear, we don't know the whole picture. So we have to make some guesses. Um, and, and I'm always reluctant to spend too much time on things that are not actually real. But this happens a lot though, right? Like we get a rumor, we don't have the full picture, but there's still credit to the argument and eventually said thing happens. It doesn't sure. always work this way, but it does work this way. And it's not like we don't talk about things that are rumored. We talked about like that, the rumored touchscreen OLED thing on the MacBook Pro a little bit, but you always have to step carefully because you 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 have to call out when you're making assumptions about it. Like yeah. we don't we don't know what the rumored oled touchscreen thing is and how it will be used and until you hear the whole story you can make some assumptions about it but those could be right or wrong because you're, you're you're putting your own guesses in there so i think it's worth pointing out this is a thing that is a rumor and we don't know the details or if it will actually happen um yeah that all said yeah you know i i don't know mike um I, I, the problem is that what I agree with with, with Neil A is 
in absence of a good explanation of why now is the time and why this makes the iPhone 7, presumably, if that's what it's called, a better product. Uh, and, and I haven't heard Apple's arguments. Uh, and quite frankly, although John... John's piece is carefully constructed. I feel like John fails to make any good arguments about why. His arguments tend to be, and in fact, he says, he says, I didn't even argue that the change would be good for users. I just argued that it could, but we don't know yet. It also might be stupid and user hostile. Because this is the thing. There is no reason now that we have that this could be good. There is no, right. there is none. There is zero reason. And, le- and let me be blunt here. A lot of the, the Apple fans who I have seen give arguments for why this is good, I think their arguments are not good enough. Like, why would you buy a new iPhone that takes away the headphone jack and doesn't offer you any particularly tangible benefits? Why would that be a user? And I hear things like, well, it, it's getting things out of the way now so that when they have to have one because they're going to have an edge-to-edge screen version of the iPhone in 2017, it's like, really? So Apple's whole strategy here is we're giving you less so you'll get used to it? And that's how they're going to sell new iPhones in the fall? That doesn't seem like a good argument to me. Because yeah, this is one of those things where that could well be the reason right like okay Point. let's just say that like one of it's not it's not it's not a thickness issue or whatever but it's an issue of you don't, you don't bring the pain without the benefit save it save it for the year where you have this amazing screen edge to edge screen oled 10th yep. anniversary iphone and that you can't put a headphone jack in that's when that's when you take the headphone jack out because yeah. you say look i know you don't get the headphone jack now but see why see this amazing thing you get here are all the benefits you get from us taking it out you don't take it out a year before and say yeah this year's phone kind of sucks but hey next year's phone will be great because you can't that that's malpractice on apple's part if they did that sure i mean but i can kind of see the view that would be taken behind closed doors of that which is if we do this now we it it, it stops next year the air being sucked out of the room i fear i fear for apple if their strategy is make bad products now so that people won't complain as much I'm, later well, I, but what I'm, I'm saying is like <laughs> this could be a business decision behind closed doors but that's not the reason they give but this could be part of why they do it now there might be a benefit they tell you that you're going to get but the reason they do it this year is before the big one next year because they don't want the headlines to be apple removes headphones so, but i'm my- saying it might be like and I don't think that Apple is above this type of thing because they're a company. Like, there are people. This is just how decisions are made that they might decide to make the bad decision sure. now. But there might be, as I say, there might be tangible benefits. There will be reasons that they say they're doing this. They're not going to say on stage, we're removing this now because next year's phone's going to be even better. But oh, it might not. be a business decision to do it in this design rather than the next design. What I'm saying is, if it's a business decision and there's no uh, no good reason why, and it's just for that, they may come up with some things that are little fig, fig leaves that they can put over and say, oh, no, 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 this is better because as I sit here trying to think what those stories are that they could tell, I have a hard time coming up with one that's a legitimate story. Well, yeah, I, have no, I haven't got one right? either. But I've said that this might be one they're it's doing like, it. Oh, well, digital is better, but like sound is analog. So digital isn't better. At some point, you have to convert from digital to analog. You can move it to an external digital analog converter that will probably be worse than the one that's in the iPhone. Uh, and, the, you know, in the end, because I've heard that argument, like, oh, well, you know, digital is better. It's like, yeah, except sound is analog. It doesn't matter. It, it doesn't ma- It literally you know that is not a, that is not an argument or i get it's a 100 year old plug so it's time for it to go it's like okay or gruber's argument is does do you think that we're going to have headphone jacks forever it's like well no we're not going to have we're but again we're all going to die 
right? So I guess we should just give up now. It's like, no, to everything there is a time. Tell me why now is the time. Give me a good reason why now is the time. And if the answer is, well, why not? That's not a good enough reason. What's the benefit we get? Bluetooth isn't good enough, as Gruber has said himself, right? Next year is always the uh, the year that Bluetooth is going to be great. <laughs> and Bluetooth, I have Bluetooth head- headphones. I have a Bluetooth receiver in my car. They are problematic. They're better than they were, but I still have weird audio hiccups and I still have issues and they still have to be charged. So wireless, and I, and I talk to people on Twitter about this and they, they seem to miss the point of like, this is, you know, they're like, no, they can be completely wireless. Well, they have to charge. They have to charge. So th- there will always be wires involved, right? Um, but, and the headphone jack, there's the compatibility issue. Again, what you're saying is the iPhone now is not compatible with all the headphones that are out there unless you buy a dongle. Well, Again, you could do that and everybody could buy a dongle, but having lived through the original iPhone where you had to buy a, a, a dumb adapter just to get oh. a lot of non-standard headphones to fit, having had a Palm Treo where if I wanted to listen to music, I had to buy a little adapter because they use the weird like super mini micro, um, like two and a half millimeter jack instead of the standard jack. So that was terrible. That was an awful experience too. I just think... You know, and and the fact that this is not about uh, this is not a computer accessory. It's not a phone accessory. It's sort of a worldwide device accessory. It's in speakers and it's in you know it's in AV equipment in that that have been installed and are going to be there for years. It's sort of everywhere. This headphone jack is everywhere because it's lived so long. And again, could you know should it live forever? Well, no. But when they got rid of the floppy drive. One of the reasons that Apple could get rid of the floppy drive in the iMac is because there it was so clearly outmoded that people were already moving to other media. And you, you saw, even when they asked Steve Jobs about it, he said, look, people aren't going to back up to this thing. They're going to buy a zip drive. And we're not going to stick a, a zip drive in here because it would drive up the price. People will just buy an external drive if they want to do that. And people were. Everybody had zip drives. The floppy was irrelevant at that point. The, the floppy was most commonly used, honestly, by PC users because you had to have a boot floppy at one point so i think it's a bad analog to say something like uh you know this is like the floppy because uh, again the floppy died when it was very clear that consumers already had desperately sought out something that was better and that comes back to my point which is tell me why this is better tell me why all of the incompatibility and pain we're going to go through uh, of all of the other devices that have these jacks that will now not work with our iphones at all or at least without a special dongle that we buy from apple for 19 or 29 dollars tell me why that pain is worth it and i've been thinking a lot about this and i can't come up with a good answer i can imagine what apple will say but i don't think what i imagine is not good enough to to do this and just saying it's inevitable someday so why not now it's just not a good enough reason to motivate people to buy a new product that makes things less compatible the you know the benefits of lightning over the dock connector were many, including the fact that it was dramatically smaller and you could plug it in either direction and it was easier to insert. There's so many reasons why it was better and Apple could could do more with it. And that was painful, but it was time. Exactly right. And it was time and there was a benefit. And that was something that Apple controlled. So it was only on Apple devices and, and you were replacing an Apple proprietary with another Apple proprietary, where here you're replacing a global century-long standard that still works pretty damn well for everybody with what a proprietary thing i mean it's not it's just it's not the same to go from proprietary to proprietary or to go from standard to completely proprietary 
Uh, so yeah, I so so again, if Apple wants to make a case, I want to hear what the case is because maybe they can make a really good case. I've yet to see any argument that makes it good enough for me to say, oh, I see why that's worth the trade-off. I just haven't seen it. It, it, you know, is wireless inevitable? Is Bluetooth or Bluetooth successor inevitable in terms of headphones? Probably, although wired headphones are probably still going to be around for quite a while. Um, but but is, why why now? And why not now is not a good enough answer. Give me a benefit. March of progress, great. March of progress means we progress. March of progress isn't just about ripping things away. It's about ripping things away because there are new things that are better, that are worth the pain of going through the progress. Change for change's sake is not enough. You need to change to improve. And yeah, sometimes that means two steps forward and one step back. You have to rip the bandaid off. I get it. But it is up to the change agent to make the case about why it's good that we leave this in the dust. And I have yet to hear a good argument for that. And if and and I do think that that a theoretical brilliant iPhone that's edge to edge and gets rid of the home button and has it's all screen and because it's all screen there's no way that a traditional headphone jack would work I'd be like okay okay Apple I see I see why your awesome yeah. design decisions make this a necessity for you I see it but if it's literally the same phone we have now it's it's you know there are thinner Apple devices that have a headphone jack so that's not it what what is the reason uh, you know, again, I, I just, I'm having a hard time seeing it. I hope Apple uh, can do, if this is real, I hope Apple can do a better job of coming up with reasons why it's a good idea than the people who follow Apple on the internet have come up with so far. I'll tell you what concerns me. The reasons that they gave for why the MacBook has the port that it has. Because the reasons that they gave were like, Bluetooth's great, so's wireless. <laughs> yeah. And we're moving things forward. It's time to move forward. Like that, that were basically the reasons that they gave, right? It was like, because they didn't say like, we took these ports away to make this thing thinner. Right. That was like, and it now is thinner and the ports are gone, right? But uh, that's what concerns me. They also moved from a non-standard Apple invented technology in MagSafe to a standard with USB-C, yeah. right? This is the opposite direction. <laughs> but like, I'm just trying to think, like, what are the what are the parallels? And I guess the, the the most recent thing that would have happened was the removal of all ports, except for sure. the headphone jack. Funnily enough, on the MacBook. Um, <laughs> yeah. So like, I'm just trying to that? think, how could they say this? And I thought, oh well, they basically just said like, Bluetooth's great, wireless is great, right? Like, even though, I mean, it not really for, for everything let's be honest about this uh, there's one other um one other potential reason that i've seen floating around which is better internal speakers so imagine <sighs> a world where just let's just say this for a moment and then we'll say why well, this is likely impossible that we have these amazing speakers on the ipads pro right now and boy do i love those speakers and i would love that quality of speaker in my iphone because uh, I use the speakers on my iPhone all the time at home. But I don't want this at the expense of a headphone jack. I just don't want that, right? Like, the great speakers are great. The current speaker is fine. I don't then want to have to have lightning headphones because I've got the good speakers, because I can just use my iPad um, if I'm at home, right? Which is where I use the speakers anyway. But the other thing is to make these really good, they need to do to the iPhone what they did to the iPad, which is to make a ton of space inside. Um 
and that was at the expense not the expense but that was that instead of putting a lot more battery in it right making the thing heavier but that's what they could have done but they didn't do that they made the speakers instead mm. I don't see how just removing the headphone jack would give them enough space because no, it's not a, tiny. Not a lot of space. It's it's very small. Nor nor do I say I've seen the argument that it's um that it will help with waterproofing, but there are waterproof Android phones that have headphone jacks, so that's not it. Um, again, you got to want to remove it, and uh, and again, okay, tell me why. But I haven't seen any good arguments. And that's I think that's the bottom line. In the chat room, we just had a little back and forth. It's like uh, somebody in the chat room said, look, Apple's betting on the future. That's what they do. And uh, my, my, my take on that is, no, Apple doesn't sell future futures. They sell products. And they make good products that people want to buy. And Apple is often very opinionated about what they have to take out of products because they're holding Apple back from making a better product for the future. And that sometimes that's exciting uh, because Apple is ahead of the the uh, ahead of the curve a little bit but their product is is so great that again you get the benefit of using it and it's like yeah it doesn't have a floppy but you totally want an iMac um the danger is if you get too far ahead the that people will reject it because it's like why would i want this g4 cube or whatever right why do i want this it's like g4 cube was a really cool product but it was too much too fast too far ahead not and it was just not and there were other issues too right but uh, but Apple is a product company. They make products that people buy. The iPhone of all products is the you know one of the most important consumer products in the world. It is by far the most important product to Apple. Apple Apple's design goal should always be make a product people want. And if if Apple does go forward with this, it, it will be interesting to see does Apple's opinionated design style apply to a product with the broad appeal of an iPhone? Does it apply, or is that pushing it too far? Is you know can can Apple push it on Macs, but not necessarily push it quite as far on the iPhone? I don't know, I don't know. Um, but I feel like yeah, Apple's whole story is about being not beholden to the past and looking toward the future. But at the same time, they do need to sell products to consumers. It needs to be a product people want. If you if you have a product that is incompatible with everything, but really awesome, uh, that's going to turn off a lot of people. Um, so again, again, I'm not saying there's no circumstance under which I would want an iPhone without a headphone jack. I'm not saying that at all. What I'm saying is, and again, this comes back to our biases and our guesses about a product that, as Michael Gartenberg said, does not exist. It is a unicorn. We'll see what the real product is and what the real story is. But if I were to say, imagine an iPhone 7 or a 6 double SP whatever, I don't know, let's say iPhone 7. If I if I imagine that and it's essentially today's iPhone with a better camera and a faster processor and no headphone jack, would I as an iPhone buyer want that product with that trade-off of you know and again that's probably not that simple. It's probably going to have a lot more that makes it appeal. But if it was that simple, would I trade a headphone jack for a faster iPhone sort of on the on the scale of the last iPhone update and maybe a better camera? For me, the answer is no. It's not enough. So I, I, I am open to the possibility of a reason for me to trade my headphone jack for something else. But I would like to hear what that is. And I haven't I haven't heard it yet from anyone. Because there isn't a logical reason. I think that's it. And that's, that's my fear. I want to give Apple a lot of credit here. I would be shocked if Apple did something like this um, without a story that made sense. And it would actually make me really 
disappointed in them if they did that. Like if yeah. they if they made like you said that business decision for some reason to do this thing without uh, as clear a consumer benefit as there should be. Um, but I'm going to give Apple the benefit of the doubt. Apple tends tends not to make bad decisions like that. They tend to make very smart, good decisions. So we'll see. We'll 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 see if it's even real. Again, unicorns. If it's even real, there are no unicorns in my photo library either, Mike, because there aren't any unicorns. Jason, would you like to talk about mail routes so we can? I would like upgrade. I would like nothing better. You take a knee, take take some breaths, get ready for Ask Upgrade, and I'll tell you about MailRoute. MailRoute is the, our sponsor again. They're wonderful. I use them. Uh, you know, if you're in an IT department, always you're expected to do more with less, uh, including really important stuff like stopping spam and virus attacks. MailRoute is a great way for you to protect your email, your servers, your hardware against spam and viruses and other stuff that comes in off the internet. There's no hardware or software to install. If you own your domain, that's all you need to use MailRoute. You actually will channel your mail into MailRoute's server in the cloud. MailRoute processes the mail, searches it for spam and viruses, puts that in a holding bin, and then only the good mail connects to your server, which means that your server doesn't have bad stuff on it, nor does it have the load that it used to have when it's being endlessly pinged from a spam bot that's trying to send spam to every single address at your server. Instead, all of that junk happens to MailRoute. MailRoute takes the hit for you, and the mail that comes to you is just the good stuff. They've been Working on email protection since 1997, MailRoute's team has. They are using an incredibly easy-to-use web interface. Uh, It's got plenty of admin tools. It's got an API. It's designed to make your life spam-free. And for users, it's great, too. Make a couple of clicks to deliver mail that was in the spam filter that you actually want and whitelist the sender so they never get caught in the spam trap again. That happens to me occasionally. Generally, what it does is just filter out the spam. I can always go back with some easy web interfaces if I want to see if something got filtered away. They support LDAP. Active Directory, TLS, Outbound Relay, Mailbagging. 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 Everything you'd want from the people handling your mail. And there's price matching for McAfee and MX Logic customers right now. So stop spam today with MailRoute. You get a free 30-day trial by going to MailRoute.net slash upgrade. Listeners of the show will get 10% off. Not for 30 days, not for 90 days, not for a year. For the lifetime of your account, 10% off of MailRoute by going to MailRoute.net slash upgrade or sending an email to sales at MailRoute.net. MailRoute is all about protecting your email from spam and viruses. That's it. That's what they do. They've been doing it longer than anyone else and they do it better than everyone else. MailRoute.net slash upgrade. Thanks, MailRoute. Thank you, MailRoute. All right. So our first question this week comes from Will. Will asks, do you think the SOS feature in watchOS 3 lends credence to the rumors of a cell radio in the next Apple Watch? So this was the idea that uh, if there is an issue, you can bring up the SOS yeah. and it will help call someone. When they were right. showing that on stage, I was like, huh, that's interesting. And it says it's just going to go through your phone, but it would make an awful lot of sense if there was a cell radio in the next watch for a feature like this to exist. Yeah, I think I wrote a thing on Macworld about this, and I kind of believe it's inevitable. Whether it's in the next one or not, I think depends on how small can they get that cell radio, uh, what's the connection story, and uh, what does it mean for battery life. But uh, but yeah, some, some Android Wear watches have it, and it would, the more standalone the apps get, which they're getting on WatchOS 3, and things like the SOS feature, sure. I think there's so many reasons why it would be good. I did write a whole article about it. Uh, I think it's inevitable. Whether it will happen next time or not uh, remains to be seen. I think it's I think it's purely a technical issue. It is totally where the Apple Watch is going. I think it's just a matter of can they do it? 
is is the is the trade-off worth it to you know is the technology there to support that can they get that in there or is it just kind of a bridge too far for now and it'll have to be something that happens down the road Dale asks, when the new watch hardware comes out, do you think the first model will stick around at a lower price point? I don't, because then there will be so many watches, because they already have multiple versions and additions and straps and all that kind of stuff. Uh, I don't think that there's going to yeah. be uh, the, the old hardware for, for cheaper. I think you might be able to get them refurbed and stuff like that for a while, but I'd be really surprised if they keep the original watch around. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it, it could happen, but I I think they're going to want to just say, here's the new Apple Watch, and yeah. that's it. And then the old ones will go away, and the new ones will come, and that will be the end of it. Um, I do think Apple would probably like to get the base model lower in price, but they might be able to do that with a with a, a new model as well. It's possible that they will do the, you know, a step and a half thing where the the new watch looks more or less like the old watch and they keep a version of the old watch around at a lower price point and just say it has fewer features and it might even be slightly changed, but but essentially the first model. I could see a scenario where that happens, but the simplest scenario is just to clear clear the decks and and stop making the old one and just start making a new one. Yeah, Joe still says in the chat room they might just keep the old sport around. They could do that. They could. could do that, but it, I think it would just be messy. But we'll see. I mean, it's not the first time they've done this. If all the bands are compatible, then um, I think they could keep it around. If those and bands aren't compatible, I'm gonna I'm gonna find someone because I, I bought know. so many of these things. I know, I know. I hope they are. I think that that would be uh, dumb for them to uh, to break the uh, compatibility so quickly. But you know, hey, Apple breaks compatibility all the time. That's what I'm told. They move forward on it, right? They just dream about the future, the future of watch straps. Um, yeah. Will wants to know when is Mike going to cave and buy a MacBook to be like CGP Grey? I really love Grey's naming of MacBook Adorable, and I think mm. I need to start using that in more places. I think it's such a fantastic name. No. Uh, I am going to wait and see for the next MacBook Pro, um, and then I'm yeah. going to make my buying decision, basically because... I only ever travel with a laptop now, and I and I take a laptop with me in case I need to do any logic-based editing whilst traveling. And that thing is so big and heavy, my 13-inch MacBook Pro, when compared to my iPad, right? Like, I bring the 9.7-inch iPad with me when I travel. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to replace it with a thin and light laptop. I would love it to be a MacBook because it's the thinnest and lightest, but I want to see how thin and how light the next MacBook Pros are how powerful they are and what other features it might have. And then I'll make a decision from then on, but I'm going to wait. You and Gray talked about this and I, I think it's a good point, which is when your use case changes, your, your priorities change. And yep. if you, if you are, and the, he, he was doing this, if you are buying a laptop because you use it when you travel and that's when you use your laptop, you have to have one because you do need a Mac when you travel, but you now don't use it the rest of the time. You're just using it for travel. Well, you know what? That's a that's probably a different Mac than the Mac you would buy if you were using it on your desk every day or around the house a lot. It's it suddenly the the portability aspects become way more uh, important, and the the MacBook becomes important. I did laugh when you guys did that podcast, and he realized that because he had the microphone plugged into the one USB port, that uh, his battery was draining and it might <sighs> run out. That was a that was a beautiful moment. Welcome to the MacBook. Yep. 
he he knew this was happening and didn't tell me uh, because yeah. he didn't want to worry me. And he yeah. <laughs> he also didn't. I didn't think to mention to him. Did you buy the adapter? Because I just assumed that he would have bought the adapter. Yeah, but that isn't what happened. And then he dropped that information later on. That was funny. Yeah. I was listening to that actually when I came in to pick you guys up uh, to come over to my house for dinner, oh. and uh, and it was kind of funny because I was listening to that coming coming into the city, and then when I was dropping everybody off, you guys were in the car, and I was like, wait a second, those same voices are in my car again, but now <laughs> it's the people. It's like a, there, there was a podcast going on in the backseat of my car. There were very funny. there were always lots of moments at WWDC when I get to hear podcasts happening yeah which is always yeah. fun to me it, it is pretty funny it's like oh that those are voices from a podcast or when i hear two people talk and think oh maybe they would be good on a podcast together that happened in a couple of places yeah see uh chris said with ios 10 focusing so much on 3d touch will the next iphone se have to include it uh have to no i think so many ios devices don't have 3d touch that there's going to be an alternative and the iPhone SE, you know, next iPhone SE, I think is going to be like a year and a half, two years away. So I think, um, maybe it will include it. Does it have to, I don't know, maybe, maybe not, but, uh, it might only because what does an iPhone SE look like in two years? Will it still be, uh, look like an iPhone five or will they redesign it while keeping it in the, um, in that size? Uh, that, that's my guess. I think if they redesign it, they will put 3D touch in it. How about that? But if it looks like it does now, then no, because yeah. then they then they're then they're saying we're just going to leave it. We're just going to keep it as cheap as we can by doing as little as we can. Adding the 3D touch adds weight and it adds complexity. And do they want to do that or not? So if they redesign it, I say yes. Otherwise, no. But I think it'll be a year and a half before we see an, a new iPhone SE. Yeah, I do too. I do too. And I and I think if they do do another one, they will put. 3d touch in it um but because i think there will be a new design to it i don't think that they will make another one that looks like this <laughs> uh we'll see though i mean but i would be surprised uh, but i think 3d touch will be more important but we'll see yeah. i mean I, I don't know what they're gonna do there uh in regards to the ipad um i know i like have alternate uh, gestures for this stuff that's all i mean because i it's gonna be a long time before you can count on ios devices to have 3d touch everywhere if I, it I even think, gets yeah. to the ipad i think they're gonna have to um i like federico federico wrote this great post about the ipad um with uh, wwdc and he mentioned uh that he doesn't think he'll see 3d touch come to the ipad he's gonna be extremely surprised yeah. to see it as i would but mentioned that he believes that there will be some kind of swipe or touch mm-hmm. action that they will just use on the ipad you so. could do even a multi-touch action like two so a two two finger two finger tap or something like yeah. that is the equivalent of a three. There are lots of things they could do, and I think they will. I think there will be an equivalent gesture for non three D touch devices for these features because yep. they want everybody to use these features, yep. not just three D touch devices. They're just marketing three D touch. They want they're talking it up. I like look at the awesome things you can do with three D touch, mm-hmm. and there's an alternative if you don't. But we're not going to talk about. I think that 3D Touch in its current iteration will never come to the iPad. I just don't think it works. Um, I got, you know, with the screens being as large as they can be, like imagine a 12.9. Imagine holding the 12.9 in the bottom left-hand corner and 3D touching something in the top right. That thing is not staying in your hand, right? Like you're going to lose that thing. So that's why I don't expect it to happen, but we'll see what happens there. Finally today, uh, we had uh, another will. We had three wills right in today. 
Um, Amazing. So the the third will mentioned. Did you see the uh, Apple Watch Pride band that they were giving out to employees? Did you see this? I did. It, there, it's a beautiful thing. It really was. It was Pride yesterday um, in a few locations. I think there's different days for Pride parades in different places around the world. But there was in the a, U.S. They were all yesterday. I think. Okay, so maybe I'm wrong on that. But there was a, the Pride march in San Francisco, San Francisco yesterday for sure. Parade and all Apple employees, I believe, got given a rainbow nylon band, which I want desperately. That was that was Will's question, right? How much do you want one? You say desperately. I, I say, as the proprietor of six colors, uh, yeah, kind of, kind of do, kind of, kind of. I'm. I thought that looked beautiful. That's a beautiful thing. So my my feeling is, get yourself on eBay, <laughs> yeah, and watch because there will be some. I'm sure. Uh, we'll just have to keep an eye out for it. I mean, I'm sure there are third party ones, but I'm not in the third party band camp. Uh, band camp uh, as it is right now because I don't I just hate the idea of my watch slipping off my wrist because I've I bought a nylon band in San Francisco an Apple one and the lugs didn't lock in now that's on an Apple one so these things can go wrong I am not I don't want to I just don't want to be in that uh, in that world our, our expert uh, Joe Steele says Pride's on all different weekends this was the Pride weekend in San Francisco there we so go I LA was it. a couple of weeks ago Portland was last week uh, so yes, thank you for the real-time feedback. I, San Francisco, see, the thing is, reading the coverage here in San Francisco, San Francisco, as far as it's concerned, this is the only one. Like, cause yeah, that's like yeah, very yeah. San Francisco, right? It's like, no, no, this is the real one. All the others are whatever. We Are there others? We don't even know. Because London was this weekend, but I think it was on a different day. Interesting. I, I So I, what I would say is, uh, also... Uh, there's still an opportunity here. This this was done in the uh, in the rainbow sequence, the like Roy G. Biv sequence, uh, de- definitely meant to match the pride flag and things like that. Uh, which means Apple still has an opportunity to make a nylon band in the six rainbow Apple color sequence, which is different. Um, so still an opportunity out there, Apple, for everyone else, for everybody else. Yeah, but it's a it, it's a it's a beautiful thing, and. Uh, yeah, I might, I might look around on eBay. I might. You should. All right, that brings us to the end of this week's episode. Or maybe if you're an Apple employee and you want to uh, send yours to Jason as a gift, <laughs> get in touch See, with him. I wasn't going to say that, Mike. I'll say it for you. I was thinking it, but I wasn't going to say it. You know, no. if you are an Apple I'll employee look on eBay. And, I'll look on eBay. you're a big fan uh, of, of the show, I think you should get in contact with Jason. I'm sure he's probably... Jason at sixcolors.com. <laughs> Enough. I assume Enough. is your email address. Enough. Enough. And Stop the begging. It's not. It's not sophisticated. It's not civilized. It's. It's embarrassing. You're embarrassing me. Stop. Jason is Uh, Jason is also on Twitter for no other reason than just to tweet at him about other things. He is at Jason L. J S N E W L. He writes over at SixColors.com, podcasts at TheIncomparable.com, and also at Relay FM as well. He does other shows than just the show with me. He does the lovely Clockwise with Mr. Dan Warren, and also the amazing liftoff with Mr. Stephen Hackett. So you can go and listen to those there if you like. Um, I am on Twitter. I am at iMike, I-M-Y-K-E, and I host many shows on Relay FM as well. Um, too many to list, so just go and take a look. There's a, I think, I don't know, like a 25% chance I'm on the show, maybe, maybe yeah. a little bit more than that. So just just go to the show, to go to the site, subscribe to the Master Feed, and just press play at random. The number of podcasts that we have between us is enormous. Yeah, we effectively, between me and you, have our own cottage industry. 
Yeah, it's a big cottage too. <laughs> well, I, we have a mansion industry. Uh, mm. Thanks again to our sponsors this week, the lovely people at Mail Route, Fresh Books, and Ministry of Supply. Thank you for listening as always, and we'll be back next time. Until then, say goodbye, Jason Snell. Goodbye, everybody. <laughs> <laughs>